The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Live. It is Sunday night, April 25th, the year of our Lord, 2021. A lot of other options. You've chosen to be here, though, and we sincerely appreciate it. We're jam-packed. I told you we'd be jam-packed. Not that we ever aren't, but we are, I guess, doubly jam-packed. One of those 18-packs instead of a 12-pack tonight. So we've got spring games aplenty yesterday, and we got a lot of reaction from those. North Carolina, South Carolina today, actually, South Carolina, with a very, very special addendum to the Carolina game, South Carolina game. I'll talk about that. Texas. Tennessee, uh, who else do we have? I don't want to, Oklahoma, Texas A&M. We're going to touch on so much tonight. It's going to be kind of like last Sunday's show where we try and pack about five hours worth of show into, well, maybe well under an hour, but easily under an hour. So thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you like the video. It really helps us. I've been looking at some analytics over the weekend. Uh, you guys have done a great job. So I just ask you to continue what you've already been doing. I know that there have been rumors of college football playoff expansion since we last spoke. And many of you have DM'd me on Twitter, Instagram, at Late Kick Josh, by the way, and you have asked me, uh, you have actually just told me, oh, I'm sure you're going to talk about that Sunday night, aren't you? Not tonight. And I'll tell you why. That is cotton candy, and we've got a lot of steak on the show. Now, cotton candy's great. Cotton candy can hit the spot for about 15 minutes, but it's not pertinent. It's not. It's going to be more evergreen in nature. We can push that down the road. we got some stuff that is actually pressing that we need to discuss tonight. So I'll get to all that if and when, let's just say if. I don't want to go down the road of when quite yet. It does happen. We will touch on that. Also, the rule change for overtime. A lot of you have been been out of shape about that. To be honest with you, I'm not even ready to broach that subject yet because it'll only make me angry. There are certain things that need to be fixed about the sport and its rules that haven't so much as been touched with a duster, but yet we've, we've adjusted overtime. Great. Thanks, guys. Wonderful. So again, I don't want to even go down that road tonight. That's something we can talk about in the summer I'm not going to say the word you thought I was going to say, summer. So we can discuss all that, but not tonight. At Late Kick Josh, Instagram, uh, over 3,000. So so we have another thing to schedule, obviously. And uh, you guys kind of snowballed that account. So we appreciate it. Continue to grow that thing. And you will be very happy with what comes there, not just during the season, but long before the season gets here. We have some good old-fashioned plans. At Late Kick Josh, thank you so much. I want to give you a warning before we get into spring ball. Well, spring game reaction. Because it's going to be kind of a theme on the show tonight. There is never a time, and I'm talking specifically to you, if you have a new head coach, there is never a time where a new head coach comes in and you look at the first spring game, let's say. Several of you are in this boat right now. And the players say, well, it's, it's worse around here than it was with the last regime. Well, you know, the energy's not as good. Well, it's not as positive. You never hear that. Now, what we know, what history tells us, is that not all of these new hires and not all of these new staffs are going to pay off. Some of them will. Uh, one of two, maybe grand slams. Who knows? I'm pulling for all of them because I'm, well, I'm pulling for as many good teams to exist as possible. But I just want to state that as we now dive into the pool. No shallow end tonight. We're diving into the deep end. 
Let's start with Tennessee. The Volunteers had their spring game yesterday. I thought it was the best-case scenario, to be honest with you, given the circumstances. Remember, when Josh Heupel came in, it, it is. It wasn't in the past tense. It is under a very strange set of circumstances. A lot of that, in fact, most of it's out of his control, and it didn't even have anything to do with spring necessarily. But having all that in mind, and then considering how much of the roster was unavailable yesterday due to various reasons, I thought we got a clear idea of what they want the offense to be. I thought it was a crystal clear idea. We saw what is shaping up to be a legitimate quarterback battle. There are some quarterback battles out there that are being presented to you as maybe a different thing than they actually are. This right here at Tennessee, I don't think they have the slightest clue who's going to start. I know maybe who they want to start, but you can't want a guy to start. You have to put him in position and have him take the job. There's certainly a different energy around the program. It was a really good brand day for Tennessee. Ton of defensive guys out, so you can remember that as if you haven't already watched it, you go back and watch it. But I was asking, we were asking on the Thursday show, Kind of what was the offense going to look like this season, but then just in the spring game? What's the offense going to look like? Well, we got the answer. They didn't really try and masquerade as being something that they weren't going to be. There were, let me turn my notes sideways, nine pass plays in this game of 20 yards or more. So this was not exactly the old Jeremy Pruitt, Jim Chaney Express in Knoxville. Things did look much different. Tempo-based, vertical elements of the passing game there. As I said, I mean, they had nine plays of 20 yards or more in the passing game. The key to watch here is the guys that are already there that you inherit. Some of them were recruited, well, most of them were recruited by Jeremy Pruitt, obviously, that may not have ever stood out to you. How many of those guys, unbeknownst to any of us, just happen to be perfect fits? This happens every time you get a new staff in the door. There is a guy or two or hopefully like seven or eight who are on the roster who didn't really particularly stand out previously, that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they just click. They just click. We talked about that with, for instance, some of the running backs down at Auburn. Well, how many of those guys exist at Tennessee? At quarterback, this is a truly wide-open competition. I mean, I know yesterday, my eyes tell me Harrison Bailey probably had the best day. That's what my eyes told me. I thought Hooker did some things. I thought Maurer did some things. Obviously, when you have that many pass plays of 20 yards or more, it isn't one guy doing all of them. But I think a lot of us, and I'll, I'll include myself in this group, a lot of us looked at Harrison Bailey last year and thought maybe he's going to be too young, but hopefully he's the future of Tennessee football. And then when the new staff comes in, I would imagine even they looked at him, along with us, if we think this way, and looked at Harrison Bailey and said, that's probably the guy with the biggest upside. That's probably the guy with the best toolbox of the tools that we want to execute this offense at a high level. Let's hope he takes the job, but you can't just give it to him. He's got to take the job. Well, he had not exactly done that throughout spring ball. Talking to people around the Tennessee program, it had not been Harrison Bailey rolling with the ones every rep in practice, and then there was a distant second and third, very clear pecking order. If anything, uh, it was the opposite. Harrison Bailey yesterday started with the threes. Now, everyone structures their spring format differently, so I won't read too deeply into that, but suffice it to say, he had not been a guaranteed lock of anything throughout the spring. Granted, Heupel's been there like 15 minutes. So I don't know how much to read into that. But yesterday, I thought he had the best day. So this is one of those perception and reality deals. Because he was not, he being Harrison Bailey, not exactly the best quarterback throughout spring so far. But yet in the spring game, well, he just happens to look the best. So what do we have here? Well, I think what we have is a wide open quarterback competition. And I also want to remind you, there was a young man by the name of Joe Milton in town, not on the field, not dressed out in town. Now that's the guy 
presumably transferring in from Michigan, started for Michigan, started the season for Michigan last year. Um, things quickly deteriorated in Ann Arbor. Now, here's where it stands. Joe Milton has been admitted to Tennessee. He is in the database there. So if you go to Tennessee right now, he is allegedly your classmate. But we have not gotten any official announcement from anywhere, at least as of the last hour we haven't. So is Harrison Bailey good enough to win this job? Of course he is. Could I see a scenario where Brian Maurer plays his way into it? Hendon Hooker plays his way into it? Yes, I could. I could also see Joe Milton playing his way into it, and he hasn't even taken a snap yet. That is a wide-open quarterback competition. Now, the next big question is going to be, as you enter the media day season, as you enter fall camp, how long do you allow this to go before you start to narrow that thing down? You don't have to narrow it down and name a starter going into fall camp, but you can't have a wide-open four- or five-horse competition going into fall camp either, so I don't think that's going to be the case. Their defensive line needs help. Josh Heupel was very upfront about this. In fact, one specific position group that he singled out in his post-game media availability is he said, we got to get help on the defensive line in the transfer portal. Now, Elijah Simmons was out yesterday, Aubrey Solomon, uh, Emerson was out, Daryl Middleton, Latrell Bumpus. There were a lot of guys out yesterday. So maybe the layman's eye looks at that game and says, oh, well, all those guys back will be okay. It doesn't sound like that coaching staff thinks so. So even with all those guys coming back, if they all do come back, and there are varying degrees of status or stati, the plural of status. If it's not already, we should make it happen. There are varying degrees of truth to why this guy was out, why that. I have no clue why Middleton was out, to be honest with you. So I just think that that's a position of emphasis, or it's going to be for them in the transfer portal. They had a good start. Tennessee had a good start with the two-front approach, as we call it around here. There was noticeable energy. There was noticeable excitement. There was a much greater uptick in offensive production. The only thing I want to caution, this is not to be negative, the only thing I want to caution is, like I said to start the show and like I'll continue to reiterate, every staff, when they come in, you hear interviews about how now guys are, are more connected to each other. It's more of a family environment. It's more upbeat. It's more positive. This is all you ever hear. No coaching staff ever comes in and has less energy. No coaching staff ever comes in and people are disconnected. I just want to remind you, as much as everyone is enjoying the looseness and the upbeat nature of the program right now, I just want to remind you, when Jeremy Pruitt came in the door, some of the same folks I talked to at Tennessee, you know what they told me? I really love that finally we got a no-nonsense guy in here. We got a guy who is more fire and brimstone, because we had enough of Butch Jones, third down and what, garbage cans on the field, we had enough of that. And so now we need a guy who can really drag a ball and chain in here and we can go to work. So I'm just saying, anecdotally, people always find reasons to be excited. Josh Heupel could be the answer to this program's prayers. This staff could flame out in three years. But if they are successful, I don't really think it's going to be because people feel warm and fuzzy 15 practices into his tenure. That's all I'm saying. Let's move on. It sounded negative. I know it did. I'm not being negative. I'm just trying to be realistic with you. Is this the next Two UTs to start the show. So in Austin yesterday, Texas had their spring game. And one of the quotes that you inevitably are going to hear anytime you ask an insider or especially a coach with any program about the spring game is, well, you know, you can't learn a whole lot from a spring game. Well, I think that's sometimes true. That's sometimes not. I think you have to have the right lenses to view a spring game. For example, the Texas spring game, am I going to learn a whole lot about personnel? Am I going to, well, maybe, just to pause there, maybe I am going to learn something about personnel. Am I going to learn a whole lot about plays, play calling philosophy, if I don't already know it about Steve Sarkeesian? No. And I'll give you the biggest clue, the biggest indicator yesterday is, 
I watched probably 80, 90%. I watched pretty much the whole Texas spring game. I don't know that I saw one pre-snap shift or motion. I don't know when you watch them in the fall if there'll be one single play per game where they don't have one. If you've watched Steve Sarkeesian, if you watched Alabama the last couple of years, you know exactly what I mean. So yes, there was a there was a wide variance between what you saw from Texas yesterday offensively and what you are going to see, which is why when we try and start judging quarterbacks, when we try and start judging receivers, offensive linemen, it's tough. So you go individually instead of collectively. To me, I feel that I mentioned the word variance. I think Texas is going to be as high a variance team nationally as there may be in 2021 because their roster has the requisite talent level, and you're always aware of this, to put up double-digit wins. But yet there's also going to be the variance monster in the room. In other words, a whole lot of really close games where a few bounces of the ball is going to decide things uh, that could have them go 7-5, and five, could have them go 8-4, and 6-6. Six and six. Like what, There are a lot of things in the cards. I don't think they're going to go 6-6. Six and six. But what did we see yesterday? So leading up to the spring game, the word on this offensive line had been run blocking, feel okay. Pass pro, <laughs> and yesterday I think did everything, at least in my mind, to validate that thinking. More on the offensive line in a second. But I will tell you, one guy who looks primed for a breakout season, or I guess not a breakout, you know who he is, is Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson is a young man who's just in the right place at the right time. Now, he's been in the right place. I mean, he's, he's taking care of business. The right time may have found him. They will lean on him a ton, especially early. If you watched yesterday, and if we're just saying this out loud now, you're thinking about maybe their need to be more athletic at offensive tackle and their inability to maybe handle plus to elite edge rushing teams. And then you ask yourself, well, how aggressive is Louisiana going to be defensively? How aggressive could Arkansas be defensively? Those are their first two games. That's one and two that they play this year. Well, then it stands to reason, you know, if you don't want to make a quarterback vulnerable and you got a guy like Bijan Robinson, among others, in the backfield and the strength up front is already run blocking. It's not, it's not a great mystery what they're going to try and do and what they may need to do in tight games early on. How about the quarterback situation here? Because each quarterback had drops early in this game that would have totally shifted the box score and turned it upside down. So if you're just looking at the box score post game, but then you go and watch it, you say, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Okay, they don't put that in the box score. I mean, I think it was Casey Thompson had a touchdown pass dropped early on. So And Card, Hudson Card had that too. Are we looking at it? No, we're not looking at it. Okay, so what I did see is I think I saw enough from Casey Thompson, and I think I saw enough from or felt enough from how they feel, their staff feels about him, to believe that's the guy that has the edge. But having said that, there is a big thing that happens around some of these programs when there isn't a whole lot of information, You know, when there isn't a whole lot of eyeballs at practice every day consistently delivering information, well, then you start to hear some things, but then your eyeballs tell you a different thing when you finally get in a spring game, for instance. And Hudson Card yesterday had some good moments, had some good moments to where if you had never read a practice report and you just watched this yesterday, you would think to yourself, oh, these guys look pretty even. I don't know if that's reality, but you could make that reasonable conclusion. So like, I thought I thought there were moments, okay? That's all I'm saying. I thought there were moments. And again, it's, it's very, very different than what you're going to see them asked to do in the regular season. Chip Brown over at Horns 24-7, throughout spring, there were various points where he was talking about this receiver group. We spoke about this a couple of times on Late Kick, where he was talking about this receiver group, and he said, Jordan Whittington, you can count on him. And we saw that yesterday. Not that we needed to see anything more from him, but you saw that on display yesterday. 
Troy O'Meary, who I think was in a black no contact, but still looked good yesterday. You can count on him. Yes, we can count on him. So we saw those things. But then behind those names, like there were various points in the, in the, in the spring, different names, but this staff, this is a new staff in town, they're looking to find as many guys as they can lean on as possible at that receiver position. And that really was a lot of what I took away from the spring game yesterday. Whittington, baller, can count on him. Troy O'Meary, you can count on him. There are other guys, and there are guys I think that are going to have individual moments this year where you say, man, if we could just get that every week. But see, you don't say that about Whittington, or you probably won't this year. You'll get it every week from him. They just need more of those guys, and that's okay. Still relatively early. It's still a long way to go until the season starts. Need more of those guys. Speaking of those guys, during the festivities yesterday, I don't know if a lot of you noticed, I think everyone in Texas nation noticed, they picked up Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy, one of the top receivers in the country, had committed to Michigan. Things went sour. He did not, uh, well, he, he enrolled. He got his release from Michigan, and he has committed to Texas. That's a guy who's going to play this year. He's not going to have to sit out a year or anything like that. But also today, they picked up Devin Richardson, linebacker, from New Mexico State. That's a guy with three years left to play. They feel like they got a steal there. I don't know what else they would say about him, but they feel like that's a good athletic 6'3", about 240-pound linebacker that they can plug in and be in the rotation or at least be a viable contender for playing time immediately. I'll tell you one other thing I took away that has nothing to do with football. Hey, their construction looks good. That longhorn carved in the end zone? Some of your heads are in the gutter, but mine's not. So when I looked at it, I think it looks good. I think it looks really good. So keep on keeping on out there. I'm always a big believer at the college level in involving tradition in your construction. So if you get to draw up the plans and you can carve the shape of a longhorn into the new seats in a new end zone construction project, then do it. Why not? Steve Sarkeesian, one thing he said yesterday after the spring game that caught my ears was he said, we like where we are on the line of scrimmage. Now that may have gone over some heads. That may not be a big deal. Everyone's focused on the quarterbacks. Uh, and I'll tell you this too, Steve Sarkeesian has not been a head coach this time around. Well, he hasn't been a head coach at all this time around. In his previous life, you never know if a guy is going to carry over and continue to use the same go-to methodology when he's speaking publicly as he used to. So I just heard him say this. Now we're going to get to the fall eventually, and you and I are going to see with our own eyes what Texas looks like along the line of scrimmage. Just remember that. Just bookmark that. Because he didn't have to say that. But he did say it. He said, I like where we are on the lines of scrimmage. Not a lot of coaches say that coming out of spring. Most of the time it's, well, we got work to do. In some shape, form, or fashion, we got work to do. And it's not that he didn't reiterate that they do have work to do, especially in pass pro. But he seems to like where they are. So I'm going to take him at his word, and then we will adjust accordingly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Texas A&M, the Aggies in College Station had their spring game yesterday. Uh, they, I think, have a lot of reasons to be really encouraged about what's coming. This season, this fall, I think Jimbo Fisher, even with the loss of Kellen Mond, now I want you to think about this, that's a multi-year starter, there is reason to believe they've got their best version of Texas A&M football coming in this fall as he's had since he's been there. So let's talk about the spring game yesterday. Did it validate that? Because it didn't need to be a pretty spring game to lead you to the conclusion that it could be a pretty special season. A&M's in a great spot right now. I'm glad, as a matter of fact, that we saw what we saw yesterday because this is another of those classic examples of what a lack of access and information can do to you. And I told you, A&M has been notoriously tight with the information. Them and Michigan, hard to get information out of those two places this spring. So you've heard what you've heard. And what you've heard is... Haynes King, probably the definitive favorite to win the quarterback job, right? And that's all you've heard. And so what I've told you many times is when there is not a lot of information coming out, but there's still a hunger and a thirst for updates, then one thing can be said by one person, and then it can be echoed by 10,000 people. And if that one person got not even false information, but just maybe exaggerated information, and then 10,000 other people say it, you may think these 10,000 people heard it from their own unique sources when they really didn't. They were just parroting what this one person over here said because there is no new, fresh information to be had. Well, I'm not saying that's happened necessarily here. All I'm saying is I think when some people watched this spring game yesterday, this quarterback race looked a little bit closer than some believed it was. Now, Zach Calzada had some good moments yesterday. Haynes King had some good moments yesterday. That's to be expected in a spring game. I thought Calzada looked like a guy they could win with. I think Haynes King is also a guy they can win with. My feel on this, just my personal feel, having watched Jimbo Fisher over the years, is King is his favorite. King is the guy who is his favorite in his mind to be a starting quarterback. And I think it would take a very, very strong effort throughout the summer and then fall camp portions of practice for Calzada to overtake him. But pretend you don't think that. Pretend I don't think that. And pretend you didn't hear... An ounce worth of reporting out of College Station until yesterday's spring game. If you just watched that and nothing else, how big would you think the gap is between those two? I don't think you'd believe the gap is very big at all. So I'm not saying this is as wide open maybe as the situation at Tennessee. But I am saying I think they got a good situation here because when you listen to Jimbo Fisher after the spring game and the questions kept getting tossed to him, what do you think coming out of spring now? What's the update with quarterback? And finally, I think it was Lauren Sisler with, um, with uh, ESPN, SEC Network, who asked him after the game, and he said, you know, y'all want to keep talking about quarterback. I, I'm not worried about quarterback. You keep talking about quarterback. I'm worried about how we're going to protect him, keep him upright. Now, again, like I was talking about with Sark, we got several years' worth of Jimbo Fisher on the record speaking publicly about his team. When Jimbo Fisher says stuff like that, it's not really coach speak. And I thought it was one of the most important sound bites we heard from any coach throughout the spring. Because the preview magazine culture is going to lead you to believe when you lose a multi-year starting quarterback, in this case, Kellen Mond, and you're trying to replace him with whoever it's going to be, they're not going to have a ton of starting experience, then that's a big weakness or maybe at the, at the very least a huge question mark. Well, Jimbo Fisher doesn't seem to think so. 
What I believe is he thinks he's got a couple of guys he can win with, and it's not really the biggest area of concern that his staff, his offensive staff, has for the offense right now. I think it's offensive line. And I think that's to be expected. And I'll tell you another soundbite that pertains to things well beyond just Texas A&M that he gave in that same postgame interview yesterday. They asked him, are, are you glad you had spring? Which is a no-brainer question, obviously. But then they asked him to dive into it a little bit. And he said, you know, last year we had a pretty veteran-laden team. This year, I have no clue how we would ever field a team, how we would ever field a competent product if we didn't have spring. Now, it's good for Texas A&M that they have it. I just wanted to bookmark that statement, and let's keep that in mind. When we looked at some of these programs last year that had it go off the rails, A&M comes to mind, LSU comes to mind, for whatever reason you believe it happened, I just want you to remember listening to a veteran head coach tell you openly, hey, we got a ton of talent down here, but if we didn't have a spring, we'd probably be terrible this fall. So I just wonder, you know, how how much did we see go off the rails for certain programs in 2020 that really we should view through a different lens than we are. Because that's my whole take on Penn State. And so, you know, Jimbo Fisher kind of validated that, and that doesn't have a whole lot to do with AM. But we get back on AM right now. I think this is going to be the best defense he's had there. And they've been incrementally improving defensively every year since he's been there. And now if you look at them, all three levels, when they talk about defensive line, they feel great. They got the right guys to return. They didn't even have Clemens or Leal play yesterday. And they were still harassing quarterbacks all afternoon. Now, is that great or is that suspect offensive line play? Well, it's probably a little bit of both. But when you listen to them talk about the guys they have up front, they love it. They feel like they are plus to elite there. When you talk about linebackers with them, they feel like they're plus there. When you talk about the secondary, they're as long and athletic as, and as fast, really, all you can take all three characteristics, as they've been at any point during his tenure, him being Jimbo Fisher, and they feel like they're plus there. And what I'm telling you is there is no level Sometimes when you look at a team, you get, oh, that defensive line could be good, man. That secondary could be good. Those linebackers, though, woof. There isn't that with AM. It's a really low risk, high reward proposition to buy into this defense. There's no weak level, barring injuries or mass transfers, which I don't expect to happen. Texas AM, I think, is going to have the best defense that they've had under Fisher, which begs the question if everyone's asking for an encore of contending for a playoff spot like they did last year, And then the other crowd over here is saying, nah, Jimbo Fisher's overrated as a coach. I see you saying it in the chat right now. I don't know what in the world that means. I'll I'll address that some other time. But if you're asking if they can do it, well, it's not going to fall on defense because I think the defense is going to be plenty good enough. It's going to fall on offensive line. It's going to fall on developing wide receivers. And I want to say passing game, not just wide receivers. And maturation at the quarterback position. Haynes King, I think it was yesterday, leading a drive under 30 seconds to go into the half through a pick six you know that kind of stuff it's good to get that out of the way in spring and not have it happen during the season but at receiver they had nine drops yesterday they they were thrown into a lot of tight windows now so it was really good to see defensively but they're a situation as well Texas A&M's a situation where Demas Demas didn't play uh Demon Demas didn't play yesterday and he's been a guy you're still waiting to explode former five-star guy you're waiting for him to explode Weidermeyer didn't play yesterday. Baylor Cup obviously didn't play yesterday. And I add, or if, I add those three elements at the same time to their offense this fall, it's a totally different offense. And so obviously the product yesterday pales in comparison if everyone's healthy, if everything works out like it should on paper, to what it should look like this fall. A&M's going to be a really good team. I saw nothing yesterday in what some would categorize as an ugly spring game. I saw nothing to 
deter me from, from that feeling. You want to talk about a team that's going to be good this year. Oklahoma had their spring game yesterday. Remember my working premise as we talk about this with Oklahoma. My working premise with OU is this will be the best team Lincoln Riley's had. Not just offense or defense, best team overall that Lincoln Riley's had. Saturday made me feel that that theory is really on solid ground. The quarterback situation. Well, let me rephrase it. The quarterback competition, there isn't one of those. There is a quarterback situation here. A lot of you did not get to see this game. It wasn't as widely broadcast as like the Alabama spring game last week. I would encourage you, go find it on YouTube and check out Spencer Rattler. That's going to be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma this fall. And he had, you know, he had his moments yesterday. Caleb Williams, who was the top overall quarterback in the country, early enrollee. He's already on campus. He's gone through spring now. He is good. Uh, there's a reason all those stars were next to his name. He is good. And so some people came out of the game yesterday, and I had a few people texting me, hey, man, Williams could start right now for Oklahoma. Well, he probably could start, like if he had to, yeah, he could start for them. He'd probably be pretty good for him. The luxury is he doesn't have to. That's the situation. The situation at Oklahoma is, once again, because you're stacking talent on top of talent, you get to bring a guy in. This is what Alabama did with Bryce Young last year. You bring him in, DJ Uyangalale at Clemson, bring him in, and, you know, unless one of your starting quarterbacks gets COVID like Trevor Lawrence did, they don't have to start. So they can just, they can marinate in that offense and that system, the culture, get used to college life. And then you take the top rated quarterback in the country. You have him ready to fire out of your slingshot this time next year. But here is the situation. The situation there is if you wanted to be argumentative, like one or two of my compadres wanted to be yesterday, and you wanted to say, well, shouldn't the, shouldn't the best quarterback start? And Caleb Williams looks like the best quarterback I saw today. Well, I don't, I don't argue that he could have been the best-looking quarterback you saw yesterday. But I just want to ask you something. And this is strictly for argument's sake. There, there's only like the fringe 1% that would make this argument, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. How could you possibly? I mean, if you watched every play of a spring game with a microscope, how could you ever know what a quarterback is, who a quarterback is? If we all admit that we're seeing 40 to 50% of what real football is in a spring game, how could you ever know? How could you know that whether Caleb Williams is capable of, of, of getting you into the right set and shifting to protection on third and seven down in the red zone, which is going to be the difference between a free rusher coming on a blitz, knocking the ball free, scoop and score, you lose by four. Difference between going 10-2 and two and 11-1. and one. Difference between a random New Year's Six rotational game and you playing for the Big 12 championship game. That's how close the margins are in this sport. So how do you know he's capable of that or not capable of that if he's put in a position in a spring game where no one's asking him to do it? And so I don't care what your arm looks like. Well, I do. I don't care what kind of window you can fit it in, even though I do. I don't care how up-tempo the offense looks and how energized people look, although I do. You're not seeing what a full quarterback's plate looks like in a spring game. So that was my argumentative take, and then I batted it down like a pinata. Imagine being Eric Gray. Eric Gray, the running back who's transferring from Tennessee, he gets to wake up every morning now in this offense. He just came from Jim Chaney's offense. He's waking up in this offense now. Heaven. It's, it's as close to it on earth as you can get for a football player. Let me just put it that way. Eric Gray, and he's not going to have to be a bell cow or anything like that. They Believe it or not, they got other talented running backs at Oklahoma. But Eric Gray, man, what a perfect situation for him. He is literally changing his future, several zeros worth, probably, by being at Oklahoma right now. So it's good to be him. Rarely does a guy fall into a better situation. Mike Woods going from Arkansas to Oklahoma. They finally uh, have been able to make that official. 
it's a really good situation for Mike Woods, too. The secondary is the biggest question on this defense. Now, I want to categorize this specifically. I'm not saying the secondary is a huge weakness. I'm saying relative to the other two levels of this defense, their secondary is the biggest question. I was listening to Lincoln Riley afterwards yesterday. said, hey, man, we feel good about defensive line. We feel pretty good about linebacker. Secondary could go like 15 different ways. Yeah, yeah, I could. I think I know the way it's probably going to end up going is going to turn out okay for them. But they're finally at a spot now where their defensive line depth, the size and versatility, and the numbers of guys that they have on the defensive line, it's not a weakness for them anymore. It may even be a strength. Linebacker, ditto. And what I want to say is, as I move on here, exiting the spring, this is the fewest amount of questions I've ever had about a Lincoln-Riley team at Oklahoma. I'm sky high on them. I think they're a bona fide national championship contender. And if you push back on that, and your main pushback is, well, everyone knows they're going to get steamrolled once they face an elite SEC team in the playoff. Everyone knows that their defense can't stop anyone. I'm telling you, if you took this defensive personnel Oklahoma has this year, and you threw Florida jerseys on them, or Georgia jerseys on them, you would crown them national championship contenders. Because the only thing about that team right now that has you having reservations is stuff that happened in the past. And I'm just trying to ease your concerns. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you know this. But elsewhere, if you want to buy into OU, but you're worried, you just that stench of those defensive lapses and those horrible performances in the past are just eating at you, I don't think it's that way there anymore. But I understand. If you have to see it to believe it, I understand. I think you'll see it this year. South Carolina had their spring game this afternoon. And South Carolina was a program that I was going to end up pushing to later in the week because I figure, hey, it's on Sunday. We got a show on Sunday. We got a lot of other stuff to do. But then I start getting text messages from people in the house there. I think they had 15,000 or so or maybe a smidge more at Williams-Brice Stadium. And I start getting texts from some of our observers, some of our moles out in the field saying, hey, they're playing you guys. And I said, well, I'm not playing. What, they're playing each other. It's the spring game. No, no, no. They're playing you in the stadium. And so I said, what are you talking about? Send me video. And our buddy Thomas, longtime viewer and friend of the, sh- of the show, the program, he sends us footage. Jesse has it, actually. So take a look. This was williams Bryce Stadium today. Love and passion and then just genuine energy. If you've got those commodities in your head coach, it'll solve a lot of problems in this business. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, if you play footage from Lake Kick in your stadium, you're going to have a prominent place on the show. If you put us in your hype videos, you're going to have a prominent place on the show. So forget about Tuesday, forget about Thursday, we're talking about South Carolina right now. Shane Beamer in as head coach, Mike, (laughs) I said Mike Bobo, (laughs) I said a little Auburn on my brain. So Mike Bobo um, out as offensive coordinator. So he felt comfortable. After this whole thing, Shane Beamer felt comfortable enough to announce Luke Doty as a starting quarterback. Now, those of you outside of Columbia, South Carolina, this is not really ringing any alarm bells. It's not sending up any red flags. You don't really care. But I just want to inform you, there was a kid named Jason Brown, who a lot of Gamecock fans that I've spoken to this afternoon thought had the best day out of the quarterbacks in the spring game. And granted, the spring game is not the entire spring session. They, being the coaching staff, they have seen a whole lot more than we've seen. I kind of agree with you if you thought that. I watched Brown. I said, uh, he kind of looks like the best quarterback on this particular day. Now, there are a million caveats I don't have to even throw out there. 
I, they ran the ball a ton today. They didn't throw it a whole lot. I think that in and of itself is kind of a telltale sign. Maybe they don't want to show you anything. Maybe they don't have much to show you. It is peculiar. I'll grant you a little bit peculiar that the coaching staff felt the need or just saw fit to say, coming out of spring, Luke Doty's our starting quarterback. Now, Shane Beamer did go on to say, now I'm not telling you, I'm not swearing a blood oath to you that he's going to start week one. I'm just saying we're coming out of spring, he's our starting quarterback. You know, he's taking all the first team reps, only feels natural to tell you that, yada, yada, yada. That's fine. I'm not questioning how anyone runs the program. I'm just saying, if you are more entrenched in the Carolina community, if you're, for instance, over on the Big Spur message board, some of you have um, gotten your neck turned a little sideways over this, and I, I'm kind of with you. I, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to argue with a coach who stands right behind his quarterback every day at practice and watches all this. There were guys along the defensive line today. Jordan Birch was a name that we mentioned. We wanted to see Zach Pickens. There are names that popped today at times. They need to go two for two, three for three. Like all those guys that you have been talking about that you want to see perform, they got to go two or two or three for three at least. And then they got to develop some more guys Uh, because if they don't have them, and you can say that about many positions on Carolina's roster right now, going to be a long year. They have several good options at running back though. And so I think complementary style, you're looking at this quarterback decision that they have to make that, that may in pencil already be made and it's just trying to complement the roster. I mean, this wide receiver room is not a good room. And so even if you thought you had a guy that was a plus to maybe an average option in terms of arm talent at quarterback, what would you really do with him? If you had an elite guy, you know, the, the transcendent elite type guys, they can make receivers in some cases. Or you can get receivers through the portal that want to come play with them. I don't think we have that situation at South Carolina right now. So the roster has a ways to go. No one's under the misguided notion that it doesn't. The most homeristic of Carolina fans that I've ever spoken to out there do not disagree with that. But when they look right now, they're interested, and I'm interested, since we've announced Luke Doty as sort of the starting quarterback at the moment, how much can he progress over the offseason? Because I'm sure that coaching staff would look at you right now. I'm sure Shane Beamer would look at us and tell us, We've only scratched the surface of what we think he's capable of. The reason why he's our starter is, number one, because we feel like he gives us the best chance to win when we play in the fall. The spring game today doesn't count. So whatever you saw from him or Jason Brown or anyone else in the spring game, let that be what it is. He's my starting quarterback, and he's the guy we're investing the most reps in because of what we think he can do by the time we have to tee it up this season. So I understand that philosophy. My question rhetorically in return that won't get answered right now is, well, how far can you bring him? from now until that point. Because there are certain limitations physically that you're going to have to overcome, is my point there. So if they can't push it downfield better than you got the sense they could as we sit here right now having the spring game today, uh, then it's going to be tough to score. It's going to be tough to win. I think also, though, you know, overall, remember when they hired Shane Beamer, when South Carolina hired him, this was the fan popular choice. And so no one is... Even though maybe you know you got questions, you got questions because of what he was left. You don't have questions because of anything Shane Beamer has or hasn't done. And so I'm looking around and I'm asking the same thing about Tennessee as I'm asking about South Carolina and a couple other programs. There is that two front approach that I've been talking about over the last several months because we talk about these programs a lot. It's what you're doing out front to engage the fan base, to engage the community, to engage and and promote the brand. Tennessee's got to do the same thing. I've told you Georgia Tech is the model for this right now. And then there's what you're doing behind the scenes. This is a program to watch. This is a portal program to watch in the offseason. I do not think that the roster, as it sits right now exiting spring, 
is a mirror image by any stretch of what we're going to see come fall. I don't even think you need to be all that informed about South Carolina football to say that, to be honest with you. How about North Carolina now? North Carolina is a team that a lot of people are buying a whole lot of stock in. South Carolina moved their game to today, Sunday, to avoid the rain. Mac Brown, safe to say, took a little bit different approach, and he got all salty about it, too. In the postgame, he said, I'm glad we didn't move our game because you know what? There's going to come a time this fall where we got to play in the rain, and they're not going to let us move the game to Sunday. So I'm glad we got some wet ball stuff in today, and I'm glad we went out there and we weathered the elements. Side note, it also made the defense at times look like the 86 Bears. And that's something we don't see at North Carolina very often. So that was fun. But things are changing quick at North Carolina. I've asked the question all spring about them. How far could their front seven really come over the span of one spring? I think the answer is quite a ways. North Carolina looks like a different team defensively, and this is not strictly from spring game viewing. This is stuff their coaches and people inside and close to the program have been saying all spring long and really even coming out of the season. They were saying, you wait till you see what they look like when this guy's healthy or that guy comes in or this guy does that. You wait till you see what they look like in the spring and then the fall of 2021. They seem really encouraged, and I think they have every reason to be encouraged. They've got more big bodies to rotate. And that means the younger guys like Javari Ritzy, for example, coming in, but Silver, Jones, they got a lot of really high caliber younger guys that they can bring in and they can work along and they can probably end up rotating them. A lot of those guys are going to play this year. They're not guys they have to lean on, though. Whereas if this were the case last year, they'd be bringing those guys in. They'd be starting week one and they'd be so green that you would you'd just have vulnerability that you couldn't work around, even though you'd have a lot of young talent. Well, now they got a lot of mixture of young talent and veteran talent, and it's a really, really good look at North Carolina right now. Desmond Evans, there are some names. Desmond Evans is a guy who could blow up for them. He was a guy last year that the coaching staff was high on. Mac Brown talked about him. The coaching staff was high on him. Missed the spring and then ends up missing a lot of the summer, and then he got sick in the fall, and you just never got to see his 2020 get off the ground. And now they got him where they want him at linebacker, and he's got a chance to get a season off the ground. Him, Eugene Asante is another guy, looks ready to explode. These are future Sunday players now that North Carolina has on, not their offense, these aren't receivers, these are future Sunday players they have defensively. It's just not stuff that we've been saying about North Carolina very often. Running back is, if you want to circle some position groups, it doesn't look to be at the level that they want it to be. I'm sure they'd tell you, well, the format yesterday wasn't really inducive to us looking the strongest at that position group. I was over on Inside Carolina today. Uh, they had the stat. They had 37 runs yesterday from running backs. They had about six of them. They worked into the rotation. Uh, they averaged 3.5 yards per carry. So that either means we've completely turned the corner defensively or we got some work to do at running back or maybe this rain does have a little bit to do with the format and style of this game. So I have minimal concern. You notice I haven't even talked about the passing game. I have minimal concern about it. Got all the confidence in the world in Sam Howell. Good to see Drake May get some reps yesterday. He can come along. Another one of those very talented newcomers that can take a season and learn and then be ready next year. They will be what they need to be offensively. Have very little doubt about that. But what I love is if you think about what North Carolina football is uh, through the first couple of years under Mac Brown, and what it was before then. If you think about what it is, and then you think about it coming out of spring, and finally, seemingly the defense 
being where the spotlight is as opposed to the offense, Phil Longo's got to love that offensive coordinator up there. Because finally, finally, he gets to preach. You know, when it comes to the pecking order of attention around here, you guys aren't necessarily a runaway number one at the moment. But yet, I think they'll be able to turn it on when the light comes on in the fall. But when you are starting to talk at North Carolina about being able to lean on defense a little bit, that's how you become a contender. That's how you become a team who doesn't need to be plus four in turnovers to have an outside shot of beating Clemson. You you feel good about your odds. You're not going to be favored against them, but you feel good. If you go up against them, you feel good about your odds. And they should. I mean, that's a program That's a program tracking in as good a direction under still a relatively new staff. I think about them as still a new staff. I know they're a couple of years in now. But I still feel like things are changing there. And I still feel like the dynamics change in there to where people aren't used to it yet. I think if they, if they follow through on the style of team, it feels like they're putting together for 2021. If that comes to fruition on the field this fall, people talk totally differently about North Carolina football. That's our show. We got a lot done tonight. We have got a week coming up that is loaded with NFL draft. Now, we're not a draft show, obviously. We'll have a show Thursday, but I think what we're going to do is I think we're going to air it a little bit ahead of the draft. So check back because it'll, it'll, I'll let you know well ahead of time. But probably going to run the Thursday show a little bit earlier than we normally do. So unlike the Oscars tonight, which we couldn't care less about and went straight heads up against, and I can guarantee you, can guarantee you, Headline tomorrow morning, Academy Awards ratings plummet. The Grammys suffered the same fate, and the Oscars didn't learn the lesson. So, hey, whatever. But for the draft, we'll move. We're not going to move to the side, but we'll move a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at LateKickJosh. Appreciate you so much for watching the show. Give us a big thumbs up on the video while you're at it. For Director Emeritus Colin, Jesse, and all the folks in Connecticut, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great week, and God bless. God bless.